following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. We're doing this series about seeking God first. And it's such a radical promise of God that if you and I put God first, God says, I will handle all this other stuff that you worry about. He says it. He says it. It's a promise. If you put me first, you won't have to worry. If you put me first, all these other things are going to be added unto you. This is God's promise. If you put me first, I'll give you the desires of your heart. I remember many years ago, as Bob was sharing the early days in the faith and kind of figuring out who Jesus is and reading the word and starting to become a follower. Um, there was a time where, where I'm, I'm taking this series and serious and I'm, I'm out serving God uh, as well as my friends, uh, you know, Bob serving God, uh, Scott serving God. We're out serving God. But it was in the process of seeking first God, his ways, his kingdom, that he in fact gives you the desires of your heart. When I met Christy, I met her while I was serving God. The Bible says if you seek him first, he gives you the desires of your heart. And I just want to say that as a word of encouragement. If you're single here this morning and you're wondering, hey, what about me? What's happening? When's God going to roll out his plan for me? I want to encourage you, seek him first, and he gives you the desires of his heart. What happens when we take our eyes off of him? We start trying to figure it out ourselves trying to adjust things, modify, make things happen. If you seek him first, God's got a beautiful way of orchestrating the rest. He merges lives together. He opens doors. He makes straight paths. He does all kinds of cool stuff. So, um, hey, this morning, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 8. We are looking at putting God's kingdom first this morning because he says to us in Matthew chapter 6, 33, I think we have for up here, that if you seek me first, if you put God, first God, his kingdom and his righteousness. If you put these things first, he's going to do all the rest. And it's a radical promise. We looked already at seeking God first, what it means to seek God first, where he gives us these desires of our heart. We looked at seeking his righteousness, which really means the right path, the right choices. What is the God-honoring thing to do? We looked at that at length. And today we're looking at putting the kingdom First, Now, when you think about kingdom, uh, it's not a word we use a lot in our, in our modern vocabulary, but, you know, kingdoms have been um, in existence throughout all of history, all over the world. There's been kingdoms. And what a kingdom is, it's a, it's a sovereignty. It's a, it's a nation, if you will. Today, we have kingdoms all over the world. They're, they're, they're nations. And e- in each nation, they have, it's like a kingdom where, where there's protection for all of the citizens, There are certain provisions and benefits for all of the citizens of that kingdom. But at the same time, there are expectations of all of those who are part of that kingdom. So kingdoms have been around forever. And when you talk about the kingdom, um, this is not talking about um, kingdoms of the world in general, but literally the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is such a radical and profound topic. We're going to be looking at it over the next couple of weeks. Because if you and I are going to seek God's kingdom, we really got to get an understanding in our heart of what is God's kingdom. What does that really even mean? 
If you open your New Testament and you look at all the red letters, Jesus has a lot to say about a lot of different things, but the main focus that he is sharing in his messages, we find in the parables, the parables of Jesus. And all of the parables are about the kingdom. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is not like this. The kingdom, this is who gets in the kingdom, and this is who doesn't get in the kingdom. This is what's expected of those in the kingdom, and this is what's not expected. This is the provisions and the benefits and the blessings for those in the kingdom, and this is for those who are not. There's all kinds of things about the kingdom, what it looks like, how it operates, uh, God's economy in his kingdom, expectations of God's people, all these radical things happen in the parables when it talks about the kingdom of God. Now, the important thing to know about God's kingdom is it, is it is exactly that. It is God's kingdom. It is the kingdom of God. It is God's kingdom, not our kingdom. And this is really where it all begins. Getting into God's kingdom begins with this fundamental mindset of knowing and understanding it isn't my kingdom. The reason I say that is because it is our human nature to simply build our own kingdom. It just is. You can watch little kids in the playground fighting over a toy and that one little kid's trying to build his own kingdom and take it from the other. It's just in the nature. We're born with this sinful nature. This, this thing about building our own kingdom is, a, is, is actually a problem. It's a, it's a war between our nature and God's nature, what he's calling us to and the way we typically roll if we were left unto ourselves. Uh, there's a way that seems right to man and ends in death. We looked at that last week, the choices and decisions we make. God puts before us these paths. He says, I put before you blessings, curses, life, death. Please choose life. You can choose whatever you want, but I'm encouraging you because I love you. Choose life. You're agents of free will. You can do anything you want with your life, God's saying, but I'm encouraging you, choose life. It's the way of blessing. It's where things are at. When it comes to the kingdom of God, if we're gonna seek first God's kingdom, we gotta come to terms with, building our own kingdom, because that is what people historically do. And I think we all know what I'm talking about. It's not our kingdom to build. It's God's kingdom to build. And that, that's really where it really begins. That's where the problem begins. This is telling us if we put God's kingdom first, then he will give us everything we need. We won't be in want. We won't have to worry. He gives you the desires of your heart. Not everything you not everything you want, but everything you need. God will provide all of these things if we put him first. If we put our own kingdom first, we're on our own. God disciplines those he loves. And when he sees even his children run off building their own kingdom, I think he's just got to step back and says, oh, I love you too much. I just got to let you figure that out on your own for a little bit and, and watch how that works. See how that works for you. And then sometimes we come running back and saying, Father, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's your kingdom, it's your ways. I want what your will is, God. And it's like, beautiful, we can work now. I'm gonna do some great things. And so this is an important premise to understand that it is about his kingdom. And God is promising this. I still wanna ask the question I asked it last week. If God is telling you this morning, seek me in my kingdom first, in my ways. And if you do, I'm gonna give you everything you need. If you put me first, you won't have to worry. I will provide what you need and give you the desires of your heart. I want to ask you, do you believe it? Do you believe it? I mean, not the idea of it, the principle, the concept. I mean, do you believe it? Because if you believe it, 
there's a sequence that God rolls out for us. And I want to encourage you all to get in on, on this. Romans chapter 8, um, verse 1, if you guys have your Bible or you can open that on your device. This is a um, really cool passage. This would be like a, this is my probably desert island chapter. If I had one chapter in the Bible that I could take on a desert island and that's all I had, I'd probably grab this Romans chapter 8. I love this. And um, for those of you that are um, taking classes in the school of ministry, uh, we'll be going through Romans and this is going to be an explosive unfolding for, for those of you uh, who want to explore this. It's really powerful. But Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read through this and just unpack it a little bit. Romans chapter 8 says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Um, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Then even though your body, which is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. There's a lot going on in this passage, and we're not going to take it apart in the same level that you would get in a Romans course, but there's a couple of really key core things that I I think we need to bring out in this, it's talking about if you're in Christ or not in Christ first. And that's not a 50-50 sort of kind of thing. It's not a hybrid kind of, you know, like we have hybrid. No, you're either in or you're out. And the thing about being in Christ, it's, it's literally acknowledging, we're talking about the kingdom, right? The kingdom of who? Is God's kingdom. So, when God becomes your king, literally, when he becomes the king of your life, when, when you make Jesus, King Jesus, they, he was acknowledged as king on Palm Sunday, they like, Hosanna to the king. When you and I say, yes, Hosanna, praise you to the king, when you and I get off the throne and put him on the throne, that's when he becomes the king, and that's when you and I enter the kingdom. We don't even get to be in the kingdom without having a king, and the king has got to be King Jesus. Because he's the sovereign, the, 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 the all-knowing, all-powerful one who comes, the lover of your soul. And so the kingdom begins with Jesus. And if we're in Christ, it says there's no condemnation. At the end of life, when there's going to be a, uh, an accounting given for everyone's going to have to give an accounting of what we did, the condemnation part, you're exempt from it because you're in Christ. This is radical. It says because of what he did, he set us free from the law of sin and death. Because of what he did, 
by his sacrifice, which is profound and amazing. But what I want to focus on right here, this is talking about the realm, the realm that you and I live in. And a lot of people walk around in the natural realm and they think that is the realm of life. The Bible says greater are the things that are unseen than the things that are seen. That means there's a couple of realms going on. There's the natural and the spiritual realm. A lot of people are intrigued with the spiritual realm, so they pursue a lot of different ways of trying to tap into the spiritual realm, maybe out of ignorance or maybe out of wrong intent, but there is a very real spiritual realm around us, and this is talking about the realm, the realm that you and I live in. Verse 9 says this, you might want to underline it in your Bible because it's pretty profound. You, however, this is those who are in Christ, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. You say yes to Jesus, you automatically get the Spirit of God in you. Now, all of a sudden, you are called to live in a whole new realm made available to you. You guys know the old, the old hymn, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but and what happened? I used to be in this realm, but through King Jesus, I stepped into this realm. I was blind, but now I see stuff that I was clueless to. On this side, I, I couldn't clock any of that. I didn't see it. I didn't comprehend it. I didn't get it. I, I didn't understand anything about what those people are doing or what they're talking about or this intimacy with God, relationship, the fruit, the peace, the joy. I didn't get any of it. I thought it was just a, a, a mindset or something, but I stepped into it. And wow, I once was blind, but now I actually see I am in another realm. It's the realm of the Holy Spirit. It's the realm of life. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit is, Galatians, you'll find out there's all these fruits. This is where the life is. The life exists in the Spirit. It's the new realm that we were called into. And if we're in Christ, then we're not in the realm of the flesh, but we are in the realm of the Spirit. Why is this important? We're talking about the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. There's a whole new reality that you and I enter into through what Jesus did. That is radical. So where we live, we're living in a realm. This passage is talking about those who live in this realm and those who live in this realm. Where you and I live is based on two things. It's based on what Jesus did for you. Jesus did something for us. If we accept it, we get into the realm. This is the realm you want to be. But as powerful and profound as that is, that he made this realm available, the kingdom of God becomes available through King Jesus. As powerful as that is, there's another really important factor on you and I being and living in this realm. Yes, what Jesus did for us as our king makes this realm available, but actually living in this realm is also dependent on your mindset and my mindset. Our mindset is a contingency to living in this realm. Read uh, verse 5 if you have your, excuse me, your Bible with you. You might want to underline this too because this is a profound reality. Verse 5 says this, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set. Their mind is set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set, set on what the Spirit desires desires. The realm becomes available that we live in based on what King Jesus did as our king to be in his kingdom, but also 
our mindset. If you and I choose to set our mind on the things of the flesh, then we are living and functioning and acting out things in the natural world and the kingdom of this world and trying to build our own kingdom and all of this is futile. However, if you and I set our mind on the things above, on the things from God uh, of his kingdom, uh, then it says that our mind is set on the things of the spirit. Does that make sense? Uh, The realm is available through Jesus' provision, but also through our mindset. When you wake up in the morning, do you say, where is my mindset today? Is my mindset on my kingdom or is my mindset on God's kingdom? And you got to ask that because if he's really your king, then he's the sovereign one. We come under him and we put him first. And if we're going to seek him first because he's going to give us the things we need and he's simply worthy and, 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 and deserves our honor, our respect and our, and our, and our um you know, our, our heart and our mind, this is saying that if we, if we get our mindset right, and that's our first point this morning, since seeking God first is contingent on our mindset, how, what we're committed to, our first point this morning is to set your mind on God's kingdom. It's not just the spiritual fact that Jesus died on the cross and you got in the kingdom. Yes, that's great. But there's a lot of people who know that in their brain, but don't live that out in their life. You guys see that? Get it, in, in our, and we do too. We know it in our brain, but we can find ourselves, well, what am I doing? I gotta, I gotta get back to sowing into God's, I gotta get back into God's realm. Because right now, I'm in the world's realm, and I'm pursuing things that are not gonna matter in 50 years at all. These things will not matter at all in 50 years, and there's no joy and peace and fulfillment. There's no mission because it's not given by God. But let me step back into God's realm, the realm of the spirit, the kingdom of God, where these things will, in fact, matter in 50 years a lot because God is in it. This is really important. In fact, one of the things about the kingdom, we were talking earlier about children. And Jesus says, let the little ones come unto me. The kingdom belongs to them. It belongs to them. He didn't say that about the adults. The Pharisees, belongs to the Pharisees. Nope. These kids, it belongs to them. In fact, to build on that, he said, in fact, you can't even get in the kingdom unless you come like a child. You'll never even see it. You'll never know it or see it until you come like a child because a child says, Father, I love you, I trust you, and yes, I I trust in your provision and I'm gonna come in. The skeptic says, well, ah, prove it. How do I know? What about this? And, And the kingdom doesn't belong to those, but the kingdom belongs to children. Let the little ones come unto me and hinder them not. In other words, don't put up any roadblocks or barriers or anything that's going to block a child from coming to the kingdom of God. God says it belongs to them. Let them in. And that's why we try to go big with kids or outreach or reaching out to these, these uh, foster teens who are pregnant because the kingdom belongs to them. And we want to get rid of any hindrance or hurdle that they have to jump over to get to Jesus. Does that make sense? The kingdom belongs to them. So uh, that's what it's saying. So the first point this morning is set your mind on God's kingdom. If we're going to seek first God and his kingdom, and he's going to give us what we need, and we won't have to worry, if we're going to do that, we have to learn to set our minds on the kingdom. It's not only based on a mindset, it's based on a heart condition. Um, Matthew six nineteen. you don't have to turn there, I believe we have it for up here, says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure, this is important, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what this is saying is that from God's standpoint, and we could probably verify this if we were honest with ourselves, where our treasure is and our heart is, there is a direct correlation with the things we treasure and with our heart. Um, And when you think about the things you treasure, think about where you put your time, your attention, your focus, your resources. Think of where you allocate those sort of things, and that's where your heart is. The Bible is saying our heart and our allocation go together. We put our heart in the things that that we treasure. You know, the thing about our hearts, our heart only has so much real estate. There's only so much real estate right here in our heart. And we can only put it in so many places and so many things and so many times. And God knows that. And he's saying, look, the things you treasure, that's where you're going to place your heart. You're going to be invested in the things that you treasure. And so the passage is saying, talking about the things on earth are the things of God's kingdom. Seeking the kingdom of this world, seeking to build our kingdom, or seeking God's kingdom. It's really based on our heart. And what do we treasure? Because whatever we treasure, that's where we're going to be invested. And that's why it says that whatever, um, wherever your heart is, that's what you treasure and that's what you store up. And you, you know, some folks are really committed to, no, I'm going to do this and this is my aim. And it's okay to have goals and, and pray about God and get a plan from God and, and be successful. That's great. But God's got to be first in all of it, no matter what the plan is. And if God's not first in the plan, it's not a plan from God. Let me say that again. If God's not first in the plan, it's not a plan from God. If people think, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'll, I'll, I'll figure where God weighs in later, that's not a plan from God. If we're in God's kingdom and God's going to be first, we've got to check with God on the plan and make sure our plan is a God-honoring plan and then God can bless it. The Bible has a whole lot about committing our ways to the Lord, and if we commit our ways to the Lord, that God will bless our path. But God's got to be in the plan. We've got to check with God on these plans if, in fact, we're in his kingdom and if he is our king. So it's important. God's saying, treasure my kingdom first, and you'll have nothing to worry about. He's saying, trust me, I have you. Trust me, I have you. And I know some struggle with trust and trusting God. The story of a family who went on a walk one morning. They went for a walk around the block with their kids and they left their one son home and when they came back around their block, much to their surprise, they're smelling smoke and coming back and as they come back to their house, they find their house engulfed in flames. The house is in flames. The neighbors are out calling the fire department. The house is burst in flames and covered with smoke. They look up there and they see their son on the second floor balcony who can't see he's coughing and the father comes up and says son jump and the son says no I can't jump and the father says son you have to jump please jump as the house is burning the son says no I can't jump I can't jump dad says son you have to jump why can't you jump and the son says because dad I can't see you And the father says, it's okay, son, I can see you jump. And the same story is true with us. We don't know 
when to jump. We got a fear of jumping. Can we trust God? And God is saying the same to you and I. I see you. It's okay. You don't have to see it and get it all. I see you. Trust me. Jump. And the kingdom of God is all about this. The kingdom of God is all about trusting God that he has you, that he's got you covered. And that's why he says, if you seek me first in my kingdom, all these things will be added to you. Trust me. I got you. And some people are like, no, God, I don't trust you and I'm not going to jump. And as a result, they don't get to participate in God's kingdom and experience the life in the kingdom because of a trust issue. And God's saying, jump, I can see you. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe there's that issue with trust. I want to encourage you, if you're afraid to jump in an area, find out if it's God's way and God's will. If it's in his word, if it is, you can trust him. You can make the jump. You can take the plunge. You can trust God because this is where we get to experience his kingdom. It says, He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. He will keep in perfect peace she whose minds are stayed on him. Keep our eyes on him. Jump. Trust me. I got you. He will keep you in peace. Um, Andrew Murray made this quote. I love it. He says, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly yielded to him. The life that is given over to him. Trust and jump. That kind of life, God is ready to assume full responsibility. God is good at that. The Bible is full of stories of people who have trusted him. We looked last week at King David in his old age saying, you know what? I've seen a lot of stuff, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Why? Because God's got you covered if you trust him and put him first. It's a really amazing testimony. Um, Another thing that Jesus said about the kingdom He said a lot of things about the kingdom of God. And if you and I are going to seek first the kingdom, there's some things we got to understand about the kingdom, how the kingdom works, what are the dynamics. One of the key things he says about the kingdom of God in Matthew 6, 24, is that you can't serve two masters. You can't. You can't have two masters. You can't have two kings. You can only have one. Jesus said you'll either end up loving one and rejecting the other or loving one. You you can't have two. Um, And so the second point this morning is exactly on that, if you're a note taker, is to renounce, renounce any other kingdoms. What other kingdom have you been building? What other kingdom have you been investing? I mean, honestly, if there are other things spiritually robbing you of what God's call is about, it's time to maybe renounce any other kingdoms. If Jesus isn't king... If he's not the king of kings and lord of lords that scripture says he is, if there's other things that are robbing us that really are the king and we're under that domain and under that rule and under that sovereignty and expecting our protection and provision and everything to come from that and not God's kingdom, well, then we're missing out on the point because we can only be in one kingdom. You guys know the story of the the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and um, Jesus said something to him that he did not say to anybody else. Unique story with this guy. He comes and he's, he's rich. And he comes to Jesus, pretty, pretty together guy, and says, Jesus, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're super smart, you're sent by God, we know you're the one. We know you're the one from God, you got it all, you know about the kingdom. Tell me, what is it gonna take for me to get in on the kingdom of God? And Jesus looks at this guy, looks right through everybody. He can see the heart, the motive. God can, Jesus can discern it from a mile away, looks right into his soul and says, 
And I know this is what he's thinking because this is the way the passage plays out. Jesus looks at him and says, you know, this guy is really loving his kingdom a lot. And he's asking me about God's kingdom, but he loves his kingdom a whole lot. (laughs) Since he does, I have to redirect him back to the two masters. And he says, sir, for you, here's what you need to do. All that stuff you have, you got to go sell it and then come and follow me. And the guy is, he's wrecked over that. There's no way. There's no way I'm getting rid of my stuff. This is my kingdom. I like the idea of following you, Jesus. You are the teacher, the anointed one. I like the idea. That's why I'm having a conversation with you. But to do that and follow you, no, I can't do that. And he turns around bummed out and he walks away and he missed out on God's kingdom entirely because he loved his own kingdom too much. The Bible's not asking you to take a vow to poverty unless he's calling you to the mission field somewhere in a third world country. Maybe he, he is, but in general, he doesn't, Jesus isn't saying this to everyone. Go sell your stuff and follow me. He said it to this guy who was so committed on his kingdom that there was no room for two kingdoms. That's the way it goes with kingdoms. Kingdoms like nations and countries. Some countries and nations allow dual citizenship. Dual citizenship? But many countries do not. And the reason they don't allow dual citizenship, because it comes to question, and it's a valid question, where does your allegiance lie? Where's your allegiance? And some countries are not so concerned and say, it doesn't matter, you can be in both. They're friends of ours, it's fine, that country, we're cool with them, and you can have dual citizenship. But a lot of countries will say, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. You need to choose your own allegiance. Are you going to be allegiant to this country? You can come and visit us. Or you're going to be, have your allegiance with this country and you can go visit them. But you need to choose your allegiance because we want to know whose sovereignty you're coming under. Not having everybody's. You can't, and so when Jesus said you can't serve two masters, I believe in the kingdom of God, God would tell us there is no dual citizenship in the kingdom of God. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We're either in it or we're out. We don't do the dual citizenship deal. I know because I tried it. It doesn't work. Have you guys tried the dual citizenship? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I remember um, years ago, one of the wake-up calls in my life along the way, it's about 20 years old. I was in a band. I was in this rehearsal studio. And I remember uh, it was a dark room. And, um, you know, I remember sitting down and I might have shared this with you. I sat on something. I pulled it out. It was a Bible. It freaked me out. I'm like, oh, great. And so there was a light shining in the door and I, I got chills all over me and I'm like, okay, God, if you're trying to tell me something, you got my attention. There's no one around. There's a light shining in the window. And I remember, if you got something to say to me, God, I'm listening. I just randomly open it. It says, I would rather that you're hot or you're cold. But since you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you from my mouth. Closed it. Coincidence. Just a coincidence. I try to put it away. I try to ignore it. And it kept knocking at me because the Bible says the word won't return void. You guys know that? When God speaks to you and he's right held, he's going to keep knocking on your door with that message saying, I'm speaking to you and it's not going away. Well, that wouldn't go away. And I wouldn't say it haunted me in a bad way. It haunted me in a good way of God calling me out for years saying, look, you can't do this lukewarm thing. You either go that way or this way, but you're not in two kingdoms. It doesn't work that way. It, it isn't live your life any way you want and say, hey, God, no, you're good. We're good, right? Me and you, we're, we're cool. But I'm going to live my way. It's like, no, pick which side of the wall you want to be on. Get off the fence and jump into my kingdom. And, and this was what my, my call was in my life. And I finally got to the point like, do I trust him? Will I jump? 
Like the boy on the balcony, will I jump? And for years, even with that tug, I was like, no, I'm not going to. And then finally, I'm like, what am I doing? He's the king of the universe. He's the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing one. Can I trust him with my life if I jump in and surrender to him as the king? Can I demote myself, put him on the throne? Can I make King Jesus the king where he belongs, become a citizen of his kingdom? And that's what I chose to do, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, The kingdom of God... It's a matter of allegiance. The kingdom of God is a matter of allegiance. Just like you can't have dual citizenship in some nations, in God's kingdom, it's a matter of where does your allegiance lie? And it can't be, well, it's my kingdom, but I like the idea of God's kingdom, but it's where does our allegiance lie? And God is calling us to his allegiance because he's worthy of all of our praise. Um, The third point this morning is to allow God's reign and rule in your life. Allow his reign and rule in his life because even though you say yes to Jesus and you become a citizen of his kingdom when he becomes the king of your life, every day we wake up with that choice of whether we will let him reign or rule. Every day, every day we have this choice. Who's gonna rule today? Are we gonna be the master of our destiny and be commander of our ship? Check in with God once in a while when there's an issue, a problem. Oops, I need your help today, God, I got an issue. Or, or are we going to allow him to reign? Are we going to allow God's reign and rule in our life? I think that's important because sometimes we can say he is king, but there's a difference between saying he's king and letting him be king, right? We can say he's the king, but we got to let him be the king if we're going to be citizens of his kingdom where he's like, I got you covered. You're seeking me first. You're in the sweet spot. And since you are, I can give you the desires of your heart. I can meet the needs that you have. Um, the last thing, in fact, this would be good if the worship team comes up. I just want to close on this, this one. In, in the kingdom of God, there's a very important factor about your identity. Because if you're in God's kingdom, you are a citizen of the kingdom. And with a citizen of the kingdom, you get some radical benefits and privileges. And, and one of the coolest ones that I think we get, the Bible says in the Gospel of John, that to as many that receive him, say yes to Jesus, you have the right, you get this brand new right, rights of citizenship. To those who receive King Jesus as the king, you enter the kingdom of God, you get this right. It's a new right. You get the right to be called children of God, literally sons and daughters of of God. So when people say, well, come on, we're all children of God, the Bible says the opposite. No, we are not all God's children. We're all God's creation, but we're not children. Only through Jesus, only through making him the king, only through stepping into his kingdom do we get the right, this new privilege as a citizen, this is your new right. If you're in this kingdom, you've accepted the Lord, then cool, this is your right. And this is showing you have an allegiance to him. Guess what? You get to be a child, literally a son or daughter of the most high God. I don't know if you realize that. That is an enormous right. That is an enormous right. And that's going to take more time just unpacking the reality of your right as a son or daughter of God and what that really looks like. Uh, the Bible builds on it that, that, that men, you are a son of God. You're not a stepson. God doesn't have any steps in his family. Ladies, you're a daughter of God. You're not a stepdaughter. God doesn't have any steps in his family. Is that profound or not? That you are co-heirs with Christ. It's the Bible. I'm not making it co-heirs. Jesus is the heir to the kingdom 
and you get to be co-heirs with him. And we're gonna look at over the next weeks, what does that exactly mean? I mean, how does that work out? Because it's a valid question, but these are some of the radical things regarding your God-given identity as a citizen of God's kingdom. And it's a game changer because when we know who he is, we finally understand who we are, but in that order. And when people try to figure out who they are, I'm just gonna discover myself and I'm gonna try to find out who I am. That's so backwards. Find out who he is and then you will know who you are. But when you try to figure out who you are, you're gonna exempt God out of the picture and try to chart your own course. And it's not, it's the kingdom of the world and build it our own kingdom. Know who he is and then you'll know who you are because your identity is found in him by his very design. And so we are designed to be sons and daughters. We're invited in the whole world. God says, I I, I don't want anyone to perish. I got my hand out. I love the whole world. Come, everyone's invited. Whoever will choose, whoever will receive, I love you. You're welcome to be my son or daughter. And some people are saying, no, thank you. I'm building my own kingdom. God's like, I love you anyway, but whenever you're ready for that choice, that's the only way you get in. You'll never be in my kingdom. And so the last point this morning, the fourth point, is to embrace, embrace your God-given identity and walk in it. Embrace it and walk in it. Literally get up in the morning knowing, hey, <laughs> I'm a son of God today. Well, that's a game changer. I don't, need, I don't even need a cup of coffee if I think about that. I am a son of God. Ladies, I'm a daughter of the king today. Wow. I wonder what's gonna make daddy smile today. What's gonna make daddy, what does he have in store for me today? And when we start approaching our life in the kingdom this way, when we start seeking first God in his kingdom, this is where you're gonna see God make some straight paths. This is where you're gonna see God open doors that no man can shut. I'm not talking about some prosperity thing here. I'm talking about God's kingdom and his promises. That if you and I walk in what he promises, you can hold him at his word. God is true. And this is some rich stuff, guys. We can only know who we are when we know who he is. And next week, we're gonna be looking at what life in the kingdom looks like. And then following that, when it says he gives you the desires of your heart, when it says he gives you the things you need and you don't have to worry, what, what exactly are those things? Is that anything we can dream of? What, how does it work in God's economy with God's provision and how he provides for us? And what does that even look like? We're gonna unpack this stuff because again, Jesus spoke more about the kingdom than anything else. And if you and I are gonna seek God first in his kingdom, we're gonna get into a deeper understanding and a revelation of what it looks like for us as sons and daughters, citizens walking in this kingdom. So on that note, I just wanna close in prayer and ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Um, mighty God, I uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Lord, I, I just pray that every one of us in this room would be stirred to a whole new level to seek you first, that you're first. We'll seek you first, seek your ways first. Get up and say, Father, thanks for waking me up. What do you have for me this morning, God? What do you have for me today, God? What kind of interactions do you have? What's the mission today, God? What's the assignment? Every day is new. Your mercies are new every day. What do you have in store, God? Because, Lord, I'm your son and I'm listening. I'm your daughter and I'm listening. I'm a citizen. I'm putting you first. I want to explore the things of your kingdom today. I want to get in on what that looks like. I want to walk with you in your love and your power. I want you to use me as an instrument of your will. Show me what that looks like. I trust if I jump in this area, you're saying, jump, I got you. 
It's okay. I can see you. And we don't see all these things, God. We don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow, next week. Next. We don't have to see it. You say, it's okay. I can see you. And so, Lord, I just pray today you would seal some of these things in our heart, that we would walk in a whole new way of commitment to you, that we would walk in a new level of understanding. And first of all, if we haven't literally got off the throne and made you the king, that that's where it begins. We're not even in your kingdom unless you're the king. So, Lord, I just pray for any that you're knocking on the heart this morning, that today would say, yes, Jesus, I make you king, King Jesus. And you're, you're on the throne now and I'm not. And from now on, I'm working at building your kingdom, not mine. And I just thank you for that stirring, Lord God. I just pray for everybody else, Lord, that we would say, I don't know what this fully looks like to explore your kingdom, God, and to put your kingdom first, but I'm excited because there's a lot of life there and I want to get in on it, Lord. So I just thank you for that. Bless your word, seal these things in our heart and be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.